You're listening to the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday. Happy Small Business Saturday. Happy Giving Tuesday. Wow. There is some things coming up this weekend, and with just a little bit of luck, this episode is going to post the day before Thanksgiving. So for those listening uh, before Thanksgiving, enjoy your turkey and pie. I know I will, at least for a couple hours before we go to open the shop and the mall for Thursday night, and then of course Black Friday and all the things going on. And since this is a local podcast talking to local entrepreneurs, don't forget about our small retailers, our local retailers here in Sioux Falls, who are trying desperately to do all the things. We're working hard. It is really hard for us to compete with the big retailers, the big box stores on Black Friday. So please make sure that you come out. I know they're saying that's going to be snowy and kind of crappy, but please come out, bring your family, your friends, and support our small retailers on Small Business Saturday. You have no idea what it means the next 30 days of business. It's just a mad rush to fill the coffers and nobody sleeps and we drink a lot of coffee. But I know a lot of you guys know that because you are entrepreneurs. That's why you're listening to this podcast or you're involved in the business world and you guys get it. So I love you and I appreciate you for that. All right. With that said, here we go. The final episode. Well, It's sort of the final episode. It's not really the final last episode since there's going to be a bonus episode that I've kind of filled you in on a little bit. But hey, this is the official season finale. And I'm so grateful to be ending this season by speaking with a woman that I truly admire. We've used her services in the past. We continue to use her services for our business She has made a big name and is making, continues to make a big name for herself in our local scene around all the things, branding, photography, coaching, and the like. A lot of people follow her on Instagram. She's super funny. She's got kids and babies. So this season finale is wrapping up with none other than... My name is Maddie Pashong, and I own Maddie Pashong Photography. Yes, Maddie Pashong from Maddie Pashong Photography. I've known Maddie for a bit now. We've connected years ago in the photography world. And since I have watched her blossom from her full-time career at Click Rain as an account executive into a full-time photography career, which has now expanded into so much more than just photography services. But first, let's get a little history about who Maddie is and where she come from. I grew up in Mitchell, South Dakota, so not too far from Sioux Falls, and went to college in Sioux City at Briarcliff University. I originally had gone to school thinking that I wanted to pursue journalism. That was something that was really interesting to me. And a big reason as to why I went to Briarcliff was because they did a very good job of showcasing that great, you want to be a writer, but there's a lot to that. And it's not super safe to want, you know, if you want to be a writer to um, put all your eggs in the newspaper basket, (laughs) for example, because who knows, like who knows where any of that's going. And so they just did a really good job of um, making sure that you would have education in in print and broadcast and as, as my time there went on in social media. And I really liked that holistic viewpoint. 
So I graduated in three years with a degree in mass communications and journalism, and then also a double major in graphic design, truly because it was I was a couple credits shy, so I thought, why not? Um, but graduated in three years and then went home for the summer to work at the Corn Palace, the world's only Corn Palace. And I was just kind of helping them. I had worked there all through high school and was helping them with social media and web and just kind of a catch-all. And then I think in about July after I had graduated, I got an email from a family friend who I had known for years and she worked at Blue Bunny Ice Cream at Wells Enterprises who makes Blue Bunny Ice Cream. And she'd been trying to get me an internship there all through college and it just never worked out. And I got like an email or a text from her and she literally said, my, the social media gal just put in her two weeks notice. Do you have any interest in coming back to Iowa? And I was like, no, <laughs> I really don't. And then she told me the job description and what I would be doing. And it was just way too amazing of an opportunity to pass up. And so I said, I would love to be considered, um, like, let me know how how to apply and all of those things. And so within about a month, I had applied and gone in for, uh, I think, a couple of interviews and got offered a job. So I was moving back to Sioux City, um, back to Lamar's, Iowa. And so I lived there uh, in that area for a couple of years and worked at Wells. I ran all of the social media for their brands, uh, which would be Blue Bunny Ice Cream, Bomb Pop. They had another brand at the time that's since gone away. And then their licensed brands as well. It was an absolutely incredible job. I was given far more responsibility than a 22-year-old should have been given. But I learned so much and I had the best mentors and I really kind of found my way in the social media world. This was really at the cusp of using social media for business. So it was a really amazing time to be part of such a big company. Uh, and then after being there for about two years, my husband and I decided that it was just time for us to go back to South Dakota. Um, we really loved Lamar's and I loved my job, but Jeff was working from home at the time. So it was hard for us to make friends and meet people. And so decided to go back to South Dakota, moved to Sioux Falls. Um, I got a job at a digital marketing agency in town called ClickRain. And I really really worked hard to get that job. I wanted it so badly. They were the best in the business and I wanted to be a part of it and absolutely loved that job. And around the same time, this little photography business that I had started growing at the end of college uh, and did, you know, when I, when I worked at Wells, it was just kind of a side hustle, moved back to Sioux Falls with no intention of taking it full time. And it just kept growing, which was really interesting because if you talk to any photographer in town, they'll tell you the market is really saturated. And it is. There are a lot of there are a lot of photographers here, but it just kept growing. And after three years at Click Rain, which was last July, I made the decision to quit and take my photography business full time. And the rest is history. It's been it's been a really fantastic transition, not without bumps and bruises along the way, but for the most part, I feel like I probably did both the full-time job and the side hustle for a little bit longer than I maybe should have. Uh, but because of that, we were in a really good place financially, emotionally, like as a family. And so it was, it made it a lot easier to make that transition. 
Well, there is a lot to unpack in Maddie's backstory about uh, who she is and where she is today. And where she is today is the owner of her company that she started, Maddie Pashong Photography. Now, when someone hears the word photography in a business name, they think family photographer, wedding photographer, portraits, seniors, whatever else. And, and indeed, Maddie has done and does do those things. It is part of her offerings as a service package. But that's not really what the core of her business is today. It took me eight years to like find that word like branding. Oh, it's branding that I'm so interested in from a photography perspective and an education perspective. And looking back, there's little pieces of that. Like I didn't like creating websites because I like to code. <laughs> I liked creating websites because it was a way to put together a holistic visual brand. But at the time I couldn't have articulated that. So I was just like finding these random pieces that I liked. And to me, there was no common thread. And I was kind of frustrated by that. Branding is a big deal. I think it's even notable to say that branding today is far more important than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Companies used to just put their products out and sell their stuff. But today, people want to be, people and consumers want to be connected to the things that they buy. And, and now more than ever. And Maddie had always had that influence and desire to make those connections and stronger for people, entrepreneurs, and companies. But for her, it was never going to lead into becoming an entrepreneur herself. No, entrepreneurship was not at the forefront of my mind ever. Ever. my Both my parents had really amazing big kid jobs. <laughs> my mom was a vice president at a university. My dad was the president of a bank. Like they went to an office every day and they put on suits and that's what I was going to do. And I had so much respect for both of their jobs. And for the most part, they both found a lot of fulfillment in their, in their roles, especially my mom. My mom has all like she, and I think I related more to that because my mom um, was in communication and PR, and so it was I related to that. But yeah, I mean, I just saw them do these things, and so I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on a two-piece suit and go into an office and have – I'm going to be the boss. And at one point in college, I thought it would be really cool to – I kind of all through growing up, I guess, work at a magazine, be like an editor or a writer at a magazine. I thought that that vibe would be really exciting. And of course, as like a 16, 17, 18 year old girl who's seen too many romantic comedies, like, of course I thought that, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like the job and all the rom-coms. And I thought that would be really cool. And I like to write and I liked that hustle. So entrepreneurship was never something that interested me. And even as I first got started, in photography, I didn't like the business side of it. I, I told myself, well, I just like taking pretty photos. This is a creative outlet. I don't like the numbers. I don't like any of this. And it was almost like this, oh, limiting belief. It was almost like this limiting belief that I had because all through school, I struggled with math and um, just things that would make, you know, accounting and things that would make business easier. And so as I got older, I had this limiting belief that like, I didn't like that stuff. I didn't like the business side. And so it was never an option. And now that I feel like I've kind of come more into myself and I'm, I'm more myself now than I ever have been, like, I actually really do like those things. I really do like numbers. And I spent a lot of the, a lot of years telling myself I didn't, you know? 
Well, Maddie had been doing this camera photo thing as a part-time side hustle for a lot of years, which is a really, really common theme for the photography industry. As a broad generalization, I know that there's exceptions to this rule, but just in general, we typically see two types of photographers in the photographer industry. We see part-time side hustle photographers who work full-time jobs, or maybe they own a different company and then do photography on the side, or they are stay-at-home moms who do this as a way to be creative and uh, you know, get out of the house for a little bit uh, when the kids are at school or whatever, which is great. But this it's not true for everyone, but just in general, that's the photography industry. But there is also this third and more rare type of person that leaves their full-time stable income to just do photography as a business. And I'd be the first to say that these are really brave people. The photography industry is tough. The biggest reason that I started thinking this could be more than just something that I do on the side, something that, you know, pays off some debt, is when I was making over twice of what I was making in my full-time job, which is why I say I probably did the side hustle thing a little bit too long. <laughs> but that that was really it. I was I was calling it a side hustle and I was calling it a part-time job, but I was making over twice of what I was making at my office job. And I was making money that I was happy with in my office job. So it's not like I was bringing home peanuts and I was making more than twice of that. So that was really when Jeff, my husband, and I sat down and we were like, okay, how much sense does this make? Like if you're doing – if you're putting half of your time and energy into this side hustle, which I, it was more than half for sure. I mean anybody who has their own business knows that. But, you know, if you, if you freed up Monday through Friday between the hours of 8 to 5, imagine what you could do. And that was a really, it was scary because it's a lot easier to go to an office every day and have a 401k and like all these nice things. But it just got to the point where we were like, okay, we're, it's, it's very possible we're missing out on something really big and not just money wise, but like fulfillment and having more flexibility. We had two little kids at the, we, we still have two little kids, but at the time they were very little. Um, and yeah, so that was really the 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 oh my gosh, what's that saying? Like the something that straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back because we just thought, oh, are we being stupid? Like, do we do we just need to jump here? And it was really scary because I I did you know I think another way that I'm different from a lot of other people is like I didn't have a day job that I was trying to escape. I loved it like. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved my managers. I had really amazing mentors and um, coworkers. My clients were fantastic. Like it was all good. And so the thought, and I and I also loved this side hustle. But yeah, it was just it was this constant pull of like loving both, and also especially toward the end, feeling like I couldn't put all of my energy into either. So like I was failing at both, and that's where I kind of got to the point where I just thought I'm I'm not only letting myself down, but I'm letting my coworkers and my bosses down by like not being all in. Even though I was all in between the hours of eight and five, like I wasn't probably growing my career there as much as I could have been because I was like, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know where I wanted to be. 
And uh, that was kind of when we decided, okay, well, we need to figure something out here. Don't fast forward this time. This isn't an ad and I'm not trying to sell you on anything. I just wanted to update you on the future of this podcast. I recently learned that the Zeal Center for Entrepreneurship, which has now taken ownership of Startups Who Falls, is not going to renew their sponsorship for another season. I have absolutely loved doing this project and it has been so rewarding. But if I'm going to continue, I need to hear from you guys that you want it. If this podcast has impacted you or if you've appreciated the content, please share these episodes and tag me so I know that people are getting the content of this podcast. Send me a message and let me know that you want it to continue. If I decide to boot up season four again in the spring, I'll be looking for sponsorships again, so keep that in mind. But for now, I just want to hear from you, my audience and my listeners, if you want this show to continue. All right, let's get back to Maddie. So Maddie was crushing the side gig, making almost double her full-time income at her job. Now, it seems like this should be an easy decision to make. But anyone who has made this jump from full-time stable income to entrepreneurship and unknown and starting your own company, well, we know that it's not that easy. There is this mental game to be played on top of just the numbers and whatever might seem to make sense on the surface. I have a very let's call it an interesting tendency to like forward think daydream, I guess, out loud. And I would notoriously come home and, and now I can't even remember the exact verbiage that I would use, but basically tell Jeff, my husband, um, like if, if I were to go full time, X, Y, Z, like this is how much money I think I could make. This is, um, this is where I think we could cut back on expenses. You know, we could have our kids in daycare, maybe a little bit less, like whatever. Basically trying to convince him, but mostly trying to convince myself that it was a good idea. And I remember standing in our kitchen and, you know, going through this whole spiel like I typically would do. And he was like, Maddie, I love you, but I don't want to hear about this again until you are going to quit your job. And it was like, that was the permission that I needed. I was like, okay. And so within about three days, I came back to him and was like, I'm going to put in my two weeks notice. And he was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Sounds good. And it sounds like that was a really empowered decision when I say it like that, but it wasn't. I was terrified. And it took me from that moment, it took me about two weeks to say it at work. I was I was looking for, oh my gosh, this is so funny to look back on. I was looking for like a just optimal time to be able to pull my boss aside, pull my managers aside and like let them know that I was leaving. And I remember there was a day that I was going to do it and then my manager was gone that day. And so all day long I had like a headache and I was in the bathroom every 10 minutes and it was awful. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to do it on Thursday because I'm not going to be here on Friday. And so then if they hate me, they can totally just like hate me on Friday and I'm not going to be here and it's going to be totally fine. And so I told, I did, I told them on a Thursday and it was, I was so, I mean, I made myself sick because I, I I knew that I was replaceable. It's not that, but I also knew like I've been through the hiring process before and it sucks. Like it's hard to onboard a new employee and it takes time and money and energy. 
And I was just, I just thought, these are my friends and I'm going to put them through this, like, so I can chase this selfish dream. It was really difficult. And every person that I told that day, so first it was my direct manager and then it was one of the um, uh, partners at the company who I was really close with and worked with a lot. And then it was a really close friend of mine who I worked with a lot. And then it was the CEO. So like all the main people who needed to know. and. Every single one of them was like, said to me, like, I'm so sad, but I'm so proud of you. And which says a lot of like the company and that's, that's just who they are. But every single one of them, like sometimes through tears, cause it was a very emotional day, but everybody said, I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited and you're going to do amazing. And yeah, it was. And then in, uh, my, the girlfriend that I told, she was like, why did you, why did you like, choose today to tell us. And I said, I'm like, because I'm gone tomorrow and I wanted to give you space to hate me. And she's like, you're ridiculous. Like, we would never hate you. We're proud of you. We're excited for you. We're sad, but we'll be fine. And I think part of me knew that that would be the reaction. But, you know, you just make everything like big and scary in your head. And it was awful. And then to top it all off, I gave um, six weeks notice (laughs) instead of two just because and I, I gave them the option. I said, like, I am happy to be gone in two weeks. But if you want me to stay on and like onboard a new employee and kind of help you, I'm happy to do that, too. And so that's what we ended up doing. And it was great. If you spend any time hanging out with Maddie in any capacity, this whole six weeks notice thing makes total sense. She is a giver and a lover and just such a passionate heart. She cares so deeply about things and about people. She just wanted to know that she was doing everything possible on her part to make this transition of her leaving the company be as smooth as possible for everyone. Honestly, I kind of love her even more just for this story. But the mind games and the lies that she was telling herself about how her employees would feel, what her company would think of her, they were really real and they felt nearly paralyzing. This can really zap the confidence out of someone. But taking her time in the entire process of waiting to finally move out of her full-time job and using the extra six weeks to really prepare herself as well as the company that she was leaving was a really smart move. But when one lie is exposed, a new one is typically just on the horizon. I would say by the time I left my job, because I had been doing the side hustle thing, I mean, at that point, I'd been doing it for six, seven years, um, and for two or three very publicly. Like, I was re- I was amping up my digital presence, and so people kind of knew who I was, maybe. Uh, so by the time I left, I don't think that there was as much of that. But I really struggled with I think in a lot of creative industries, there, especially with women, there is this notion that if you call yourself a photographer, you're like a mom with a cute little side hustle, mom who can take cute pictures of her kids. And I really struggled with that because I was building a business. And I even had to have this conversation with my husband over and over because he kept saying, I just don't know if photography is sustainable. And I thought, but it's not just photography. And at the time, all I was doing was photography. And so I understand why he would see that. 
but my plans were so much bigger than just photography and just being a mom with a camera. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like that's an amazing thing in itself, but that wasn't where my passion was. There were, I wanted to do something bigger. And so I did, I had this kind of like, not even imposter syndrome, but just a hard time accepting a hard time sharing. I'm a photographer because I would notoriously get these looks that was like, that's cute. (laughs) And that really irritated me. And then as my business has grown and as I've started doing more coaching and brand building and like working with other entrepreneurs and other business owners, I totally have imposter syndrome because I've found that what I am doing half the time is like motivational coaching as opposed to what I'm trained in, taking photos and And I mean, every time I do so much as like post a Instagram post to like motivate and inspire and all of these things, I can't help but have this feeling of like, who are you to say all of this? Do you think you're a life coach? Sit down. (laughs) But it is how I feel. And it is oftentimes when I'm working one-on-one with clients, it's what they need to hear. And I want them to hear it and I want them to like be their best self and show up for their people and all of those things. But I've been really struggling with that lately because I know people who are business coaches and life coaches and I do not consider myself either of those things. So who am I to be talking the way that I am? Well, if you want to know who Maddie is, just give her a follow on Instagram and watch her stories. She is hilarious. She is honest. She is genuine and she is real. And when she says, Who am I to be putting coaching style content out there? Well, she too has a coach that helps her. I do. Yeah, I have a business coach that I just started working with in about January. And it's a a mastermind, but it's more like group coaching. So it's kind of a, a combo, I guess. And that's been... It's been life-changing. Like, yeah, it's changed my business, but it has also changed my life because there are so many times that I'll be talking to her and I'll say things that I don't even realize that I'm saying. And she's like, whoa, no, hold up. Or or I'll tell her, you know, my five and 10-year plan and she'll say to me, that's really cool. Why aren't you doing that now? And I needed somebody to, to say that. I mean, every cool thing that I've done this year is a product of her being like, that's a really cool idea. Do it. <laughs> Because I was thinking, I'll do it in five years. I'll do it in 10 years when I have more experience. So I think that having somebody in your corner, especially somebody who does have that title of business coach, because I like I have a wonderful relationship with my husband and I love him so much and he is so supportive, but he goes to an office job every day, eight to five, and like he has really no interest in being an entrepreneur and there are just things that he would tell you he can't relate to. So having somebody else to hear my crazy ideas and be like, that sounds awesome. Go do it. Like that's so necessary. This idea of having a coach and a mastermind group and an entrepreneurial sounding board is so important. It's something that we haven't really covered or talk much about at all on this podcast, really. So I'm really glad that Maddie brings it up so favorably. Some people want to hide the fact that they have a coach or a mentor or even are not wanting to admit something as humble as seeing a therapist. But man, entrepreneurship is lonely. It is a lot of work. And we need to be out around others who can relate, around others who just get it, especially for women entrepreneurs who are also raising a family. 
I um, not only am I a woman, but I'm also Catholic. And so I have really intense guilt <laughs> about everything. They, people joke about Catholic guilt and I'm like, I feel that on a spiritual level. Um, so it's been a really difficult thing to navigate because I, I think when I was still in my full-time job, I thought, oh my gosh, if I am able to work from home, I'll have my kids in daycare part-time and I will be able to spend so much more time with them and I will not have guilt anymore. Like I would, I would have never articulated that, but I think that that's literally what I thought. And instead what happened was I tried to have them in daycare part-time. I realized I was getting nothing done. Um, I realized that the days that I was home with them, if I had a deadline or a project that I was working on, I was a terrible mom that day because I wanted them to be quiet and sit down and be still and they're children. So that's not going to happen. And so that I I almost felt more guilt because it was like I'm at home and they want to be at home and they want to be with me. And instead, I'm like shooing them out of the house so I can do this thing that I thought would give me more time for my family. So I really struggled with that. And in a, in a lot of ways, it has given me more time for my family. And I am a more present mom, but not in the ways that I thought I would be. Well, this is the tough balance with family and business, right? I mean, we all feel it on so many levels. But I think that moms of young kids feel it the most. I mean, mom guilt, as it's known, is highlighted a lot in this season with Karina Key's episode and Rebecca Scott's episode and now Maddie's story as well. If you want to relate on mom guilt, go back and listen to their episodes as well. But being a mom with a camera was just never the plan for Maddie. She wanted a company. She wanted a business, something that was scalable and something that was impactful and sustainable. This is the exact reason that I got out of photography so many years ago. Selling my time, it just wasn't going to do it for me. We were very successful in what we were doing in photography, but I just, I looked at a path to scalability and I just didn't see it. But Maddie caught on to something and made a go at it and it's working. All the while building my photography business, I was always even even before I could like say it, I was always interested in the business side. I was always really fascinated by people making money in really creative ways. And I just never had the time to pursue it because I had an eight to five job. So when I left my full-time job, that was a really big part of what I wanted to do. But I couldn't really tell anybody that because they didn't get it. Like if you're not in that space, of selling a digital product or coaching or like you don't really understand how somebody can make money on that. And even with my husband, he, you know, he would say like, I just don't know that photography is sustainable. Like, are you going to want to do this when you're 50? And my answer was always, well, no, probably not, but I'm not planning to, but I couldn't tell him like, this is what's going to happen. ABC, you know? And so when I left that job, one of the first things that I did was start working on presets, which are just like a really easy way to edit a photo. And I had been working with a blogger. And then I also had a sister who was like growing her Instagram account. And I would edit photos for them, like cell phone photos, and then send them back or kind of teach them how to do that, how to do that. And both of them said, like, why aren't you selling these? And I just thought, well, nobody's going to want to buy them from me, <laughs> that imposter syndrome. 
I had seen presets, you know, they were just, it was, it was kind of right at the beginning, at least from what I was seeing of them being sold by like bloggers and influencers. And I was, didn't consider myself either of those things. So I just thought, yeah, it's not going to be worth my time, but it kept coming up. And I've, I've noticed this, like when I start to think maybe I should do that. Maybe that's something that I should look into. I start to get these signs from God or the universe or whoever that like, I just, I just noticed that. So all of a sudden I'm seeing like presets out there and I'm having more and more people say, why don't you sell presets? And after about the third person, I was like, okay, it, maybe it is worth my time. Well, there's something called the power of three. When things happen in groups of three, it's a sign from God, the universe, the creator, divine author, whatever version of this world that you subscribe to, the power of three seems to be a real thing. And like I said, for Maddie, her plans of scaling and building a sustainable company is coming true. So that means that she has to define success and look at what the future means for her. It's interesting because if you would have asked me this as like a teenager or even in college, my definition of success is so different than it is now because of who I was watching, because of my parents and and even just other people in my life. And so like I probably would have said, well, success is waking up and putting on a suit and going into an office every day. And now I consider myself very successful and I – I'm currently wearing yoga pants and a crew neck and I don't have makeup on. <laughs> and so it's just this, it's kind of, it, it messes with your mind. And a lot of me coming into myself as a business owner is coming to terms with, I can still have success even if the people who I love and respect the most in the world have a totally different kind of success or had a totally different kind of success than I did. And that has been evolving as my business has grown too. I would say when I left ClickRain, I really had my eyes set on six figures. Like I wanted a six-figure business. And I also probably would say that I wanted to build a business where I could work part-time and still make like a full-time income. And for me, it would be like that six-figure mark. Like, that's what I wanted. And I hit six figures earlier this year. And it was kind of funny because – and so this is this is my first full year full-time. Last year, I obviously quit in July. And I was really close to the six-figure mark. So I thought for sure, like, I can definitely do that next year. And – it was funny because I was – I try to, like, stay on top of my books every month. I mean, you know, I try. And I was filling out my spreadsheet and all of a sudden, like, the number hit over 100,000 and nothing special happened. <laughs> I mean, I told my business coach and I told my my group coaching gals and they were all super excited and super proud for, proud of me. And I hit it months before I, I was, uh, thought that I would. But nothing amazing happened, you know. I still got a lot of work left to do. Like I, I had a lot of the year left. And I think that the biggest thing that I've been going back to now is, okay, I hit that number and I, and I want to blow past that number. Don't get me wrong. But I want to do it in a way that I'm going back to my 
original goal of building a business where I can work part-time and still make a really killer income. And I struggle with that because I'm a yes girl. I mean, I will say yes to everything. And my calendar is a wreck. It's getting so much better, but I've got a long way to go. And so I feel like in this next year, my definition of success is going to be working less and making more. And, you know, that's like the dream, right? But truly making sure that I'm protecting my time and protecting my calendar, only saying yes to the things that light me up, not feeling bad when I have to say no. What I have found is when I say no to something that doesn't feel right, something else will come along to fill that space that's even better and bigger and will make me even more money. But I, I'm not going to find those. I, those things are not going to come to me if my calendar is full of stuff that I feel eh about. So Maddie is figuring things out really well. Her business is taking off. She seems to have a handle on life and business and entrepreneurship. I mean, seriously, go watch her Instagram stories so you can laugh at how much she doesn't have a handle on some days. I say that in the nicest way, Maddie. You are so genuine and true, and I absolutely love it. But in all seriousness, she's moving things along at a good pace, and she's making her goals. So I asked Maddie for her advice to anyone thinking about starting their own business, especially to women and moms who want to break in to the creative field. When you're first starting your business, it can feel like everyone is doing the same thing that you're doing or the thing that you want to do. And I like to remind people that you feel that way because it's the world you live in. Because how many people, if as a photographer, how many photographers are you following on Instagram? How many photographers are you following on Facebook? How many are you aware of? Probably a lot more than the average person because it's the world that you live in. And so it starts to feel really saturated and overwhelming and you feel like you can never get ahead and you feel like you can never like reach that peak, whatever that is to you. And so I think, first of all, stay in your lane, keep your head down. Like there's a difference between inspiration and too much information. <laughs> and I think sometimes we do need to, we need to protect that headspace a little bit, whether that means going on an unfollow spree or just spending less time on social media, spending less time in that world. That there's nothing wrong with that. That can be really, really good for your headspace. Um, and keep in mind that you're see again, you're seeing all of this because it's the world that you live in. Your people, your ideal client, they don't know who these people are. They know who you are, and they're waiting for you to show up and you to serve them. And you can't do that if you're so concerned with what your neighbor is doing that it prevents you from from showing up and bringing your own genius to the table. You're not going to do that if you're thinking, well, so-and-so down the street is doing that, so I can't. Somebody, somebody already started doing this, and they're better than me, so there's no room for me. The majority of people you're trying to reach have no idea who those other people are. They just want you. They want you to show up, and they're waiting for it. And you have got to show up and be yourself and bring yourself to the table if you want that magic to happen. As usual, Maddie delivers some amazing advice. I know this episode went longer than the standard 30 minutes, but Maddie shares so much good stuff. I couldn't leave it out. 
One thing that wasn't really highlighted here on the podcast is truly what Maddie Pashong Photography is all about. You can visit her website at maddiepashong.com and learn all the details, but in short, she is a wedding and branding photographer. And branding, it seems, is at least where she's taking so much of her business these days. She is a talented photographer in all things, seniors, weddings, whatever. She is just good, let me tell you. And you can find more information about, about what a branding photographer specifically is, but let me just say from personal, personal experience and as a former photographer and as a creative myself, nothing, absolutely nothing beats the genuine photos of you and your business over stock images or something stolen off Google. I mean, seriously, guys, do not steal photos off Google ever. But a big thing about building a brand is telling your story, and you can't do that using someone else's photography. So hire Maddie is what I'm trying to say. And again, if I didn't reiterate this enough, find Maddie on Instagram and follow her. You will not regret it. And from a well-curated feed and real stories, she is a worthwhile person to follow on the gram. And you can find her at Maddie Pashong. It's really simple. It's easy. And hey, I nearly forgot to mention, I had Maddie on my podcast, and this was just weeks before she had launched her own podcast, which is now live, and you can find it anywhere where you get your podcast or on her website at maddiepashong.com. The podcast is called Take It Personally, and it's all about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I've listened to a few episodes, and as always, with anything that Maddie does, the content is absolutely exceptional. Now, finally, you can find all of this information and the click to links all on our show notes, which can be found on our sponsor's website, website, SiouxFalls.eco. That's SiouxFalls.eco. Please go check that out. And as a final, well, almost final send off. Thanks for everyone for listening.